Um, no, it's so good this morning. I'm so thankful that the Lord is, is speaking in so many different ways, right? You had uh, Jen share something. You had uh, Pat share something. Nick, Daniel, myself, the, the, or, the Lord is already speaking in lots of different ways. And that's, I, I'm hoping that you guys are hearing something that's tailored to you, that you're not just here thinking, oh, we're just doing church service. That God is speaking. He's a God who reveals himself. He's a God who continues to speak today. And that he's speaking to us up here that are talking to you. But I know that you guys are hearing the voice of the Lord too. And I know we don't have time for each one of us to get up here and hear all the things that God is saying to you. But I am confident that the Lord is speaking to you no matter what age you are physically, in the spirit, you know, how long you've been a believer. It doesn't matter that the Lord is speaking to you. That even Saul, right, who turned into Paul, he heard the voice of Jesus. He wasn't saved yet. But he heard him. He heard Jesus speaking to him. So it doesn't matter even if you're in this room or online and you're not even saved. You can hear the voice of God. He's a God who speaks to you. And so I'm so thankful for that. Um, really quick, I didn't know I was going to do this this morning either. But um, uh, I love that God has something for each one of us this morning. And there's an opportunity for us all to walk away this morning having been fed. There's also an opportunity for some of us to come here today and leave not being fed. And you know what? That's not all on me. That's not all on Daniel leading worship. There is a responsibility we all have to be hungry, to go search and find what the Lord has for us this morning. And so um, I'll use a quick example. Um, I had someone tell me yesterday, last night, Pastor, you're going to have a dream tonight. And I was like, okay, great. You know? And so as I went to bed, I said, all right, God, I would love to have a dream from you. you know, I'd love to hear from you in the sleep when I wake up in the morning. And so I said a simple prayer before I went to bed. I woke up in the morning. I'll tell you, I'll caveat before I woke up in the morning. I've had dreams from God where it was a dream from God. Like I woke up at three o'clock in the morning, my heart is pounding, and like my mind, like that was a God moment. That was not just like, I wonder if that was God. Like very clearly in my spirit, in my physical heart is beating, my whole body, I am awake, like I gotta go, I can't just lay down, right? I gotta get up and go record what I just heard. God was speaking to me. So I know that was a God dream. I've had those before. But I woke up this morning and I had to remember, wait, did I have a dream last night? And I had to think about it because it wasn't this big profound thing. It was, I had to search for it and say, okay, there was this weird thought as I was sleeping. And I'll share with you really quick that I saw um, a bell pepper, like one of those sweet ones, the yellow or orange ones uh, that was sliced up. And it, um, it was prepared. And I don't know, there was a group of people and a lot of people took their portion. But I saw that there were still cut up bell peppers. And I was like, oh, not everybody got their piece. Not, like, not everybody got it. And I heard this voice in my dream saying, don't worry, they'll eventually get it. And so that was an encouragement to me. Again, not this big, profound God thing. Like, how do I find what that means? A little bit of an interpretation is, you know what? It's not all up to me. I can prepare a message, and I can try to feed you guys and make it this gourmet thing and really want you to have it and do everything to prepare. But you know what? There can be some of us that we walk away, and we didn't get what God had for us. And that's not 100% on me. And I can, oh, God, they didn't get it. I can walk people walk out. I've seen it before. I've seen people who they needed the, the very message I had prepared. I knew it was for them. And I saw their face. I saw their demeanor. And they walked out of here. I'm like, they missed it. Like, God, they missed the message that you had tailored just for them. They missed it. And I felt like God said, it's not up to you, right? You're not the Holy Spirit. You can't make them get it, right? And so I'm like, oh, okay. But the, the encouragement was they'll get it later. It's not like, oh, they're never going to get it. Just write them off. They're idiots. Like, no, they'll get it later. And so I'm like, ah, okay, right? And so my attitude has to be, and so I'm sharing that with you for both, right? That it's an encouragement to me, but it's also an exhortation, encouragement to you. 
There's things the Lord has prepared, and you can walk away today having missed your bell pepper. Uh, I was talking to somebody else. Uh, my kids, some of my kids, they really love bell They'll eat it fresh and raw, just slice it up, and they'll eat it like carrots. I'm like, it's not really my favorite thing to do. I'll eat it because it's a good example to my kids, right? And I can eat it, and I can, like, I'm not grossed out, but... I never crave to eat a bell pepper. Like, just that's my, my taste buds, right? Um, why am I sharing that? I don't know, because I think there could be things here. It's a different flavor. It looks different, right? Worship can be, why aren't we singing more hymns? Or how come we sang a hymn today, right? We all have different flavors. But we have to come here and say, you know what? It might not be my thing. That bell pepper is not really my thing. But I'm so hungry, it doesn't matter what it is, I'm going to eat it. And so that's what I'm praying is that all of us, that we are so looking forward to when we come on Sunday mornings, I just want whatever God has. And I don't care what it tastes like, what the package is, I just want it. And that you'll get something as we, as we hear the voice of God. Is that making sense what I'm saying this morning? Um, so that's what I feel like God is doing a little bit this morning. And I feel like I even have to bear some of the example, being an example to you this morning. I won't explain everything, uh, but even as I was preparing my message, the Lord says, you don't get the way you want it, Ryan. Right? I like having three points. I like having a nice catchy title. I like, I like things, and I pray for that sometimes. And as I was preparing, I had lots of notes I, I kind of take throughout the week, and then I put it all together, and I make it something that I can present to you guys. And I feel like the Lord, as I was praying over all these things, the Lord says, well, Ryan, you don't get to prepare it in the package that you like. It's like, okay, like whatever you want, God. And I, so I started praying for other things, and he had to whittle down all my prayer requests, all my desires, until it came down to a single desire. God, at some point, I don't care if anybody else in the room likes it. And I don't mean that like in a bad sense, but there is a desire. I want you guys to like me, right? Everyone wants everyone to like them, right? And that's not a bad, evil desire, but a greater desire is I just want to please my father. If, it look, if I look like a fool up here, but you're pleased, then I'm happy, God. If no matter what happens on Sunday morning, as long as you're pleased, it's well with my soul then I accomplished it and I'm happy. And so that's kind of my dialogue with God over my, this morning's message. Um, I might be a little bit all over the place and I'm okay with that. I'm gonna stand in confidence that you know what? Um, I don't have a prepackaged message for you. I'll share with you a little bit. Um, I was gonna come up with a nice catchy title and I had a whole bunch of F words for you. My title of my message was not the F word. Your pastor's not saying the F word on a Sunday morning. But I had a whole bunch of F words for you, like uh, forward-facing, faith-filled, right? Fullness flowing. I had all these cool, like, catchy things to help you remember them, and you could write them down. And I feel like even the title this morning's message is whatever you want to make the title this morning's message. Because I feel like the Lord might give you something different than the person next to you, so you title it what the Lord is speaking to you. Um, I do feel like it's connected to where this theme we've been going, right? We, a couple of weeks ago, we were on Pentecost Sunday, right? And then last week, we talked about a oh, very scary question, because I, I couldn't even answer this question every single time. Do you remember what we talked about last Sunday? Oh, scary, right? With the title of last week's message, anyone remember? Do it again. There's somebody in here that remembers. Do it again. All right. So we were talking about do it again. And uh, I heard this pastor one time say this great quote. That Pentecost, the great thing about Pentecost is that it, it wasn't just a one-time event. It was a first-time event. You guys remember that? Yes. Yeah. So I love that because it is the first fruits. Pentecost was the first fruits. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It was the beginning of what the Holy Spirit was going to continue to do until Jesus returns. And so you and I, we get to, we get to cash in on not that one-time event, but that first-time event that keeps happening again and again, that we get the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We can speak in tongues just like they did. We can raise the dead just like they did. Everything we read in, the, in that book of Acts, 
That was the first fruits of all that stuff to still be happening today. So I love that. And so we're going to be on this theme of do it again, right? Remember Lion King? Do it again, right? Um, so this idea is I had this thought, and I, one of my titles of, that I was going to call this morning's message was looking forward or forward-looking. This idea is that I have this belief, I know that God can do it again. I was raised in this church that I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. I've always believed that. I've been taught that since I was a young kid. So I've always had this faith and belief. It's in my DNA. It's in my doctrine, my theology, that I know that God does miracles, right? I believe in miracles. I believe in them. I know that. Um, I've read that. I've studied it. But I don't want to just read the book of Acts as a book of history. And just for theology. I want to read it as something that whets my appetite for what I'm expecting to see happen again. I'm looking forward to speaking in tongues. I'm looking forward to prophesying. I'm looking forward to healing somebody. I'm looking forward to raising the dead. I'm looking forward to casting out demons. I'm looking forward to all the things that God wants us to do. I'm looking forward to the Lord bringing increase. Not building programs at Osmond Church and outreach. I'm all for outreach programs. But I don't want to just try to copy something that happened here. No, I'm saying, no, what they did was their first fruits. And I want to see it happen again. And what is that? It's not just trying to replicate it. It's not, uh, we talked about, there's a, um, a story. I heard actually, I think I heard it from Hans Benning when I was, I don't know, maybe newly married. And I've read it in books since then. Um, that there's the story of a pastor who was doing a, a remodel in his church. And he was asking the contractor, I want to I wanna get involved. I don't want to just pay you money. What can I do to get skin in the game? Like, how can I help with the building project? And so the contractor said, oh, well, you know, there's lots of two-by-fours that we're going to have to cut. And so um, as we go home this afternoon in the evening, you can spend the time here, and we've got to cut 100 of these beams to whatever length it was going to be, you know, 8 foot 6 inches. We need them all the same length. And so the pastor's like, perfect, I'll do that, right? And so he measured the first one, right, the measuring tape out. You measure twice, cut once, right? So measure twice. Okay, it's exactly eight foot, six inches, whatever it was. You know, mark that line, cut it perfectly. All right, eight foot, six inches. And, and so he had to cut another one, 100 of these, right? Instead of bringing out the measuring tape, he took that first board he cutted, cutted, cut. First board he cut, and he put it on top of the next beam and drew the line. All right, what's wrong with that? Perfect, right? And then he took the second one he cut and put that on the third one. Cut the third one. Took the third one, put it. Does anyone know that there's a problem with this? No? If you, if you don't have any skin in the game, if you're a contractor, you know there's a big problem with this, right? I heard Grant say, right? Uh, yeah, there's a problem with that. Because after you do 100 of these things, your beam is no longer 8 foot 6 inches. It's like 10 feet long. Because every single time you're adding that length of that pencil mark, right? It's, you're not bringing the measuring tape out. Somehow down the road, you are way off the target. And so I feel like so many times we as a church, we... We do what the previous generation did. Well, this is what Pastor Styles did, so that's what we're going to do. Well, there's nothing wrong with what Pastor Styles did, but I want to go back to the original measurement. I don't want to measure myself against other pastors, right? I, I love what Jack Hibb is doing in Chino Hills, right? I, don't, I can't measure what I'm doing here at Osmond Church with what God's doing over in that church. I, I love what Jack Hayford, I am huge Jack Hayford fan. Oh, I love that man. Love what he built, right? I can't measure Osmeba Church according to what he did. I can take principles. I can learn. I can, I can glean from those things. But I can't measure my success up against somebody else. Talking about David, right? That story of David, 
David tried putting on Saul's armor. It didn't work. David couldn't be a Saul. He was never meant to be a Saul. How did he defeat that giant that Jen was talking about? A lot of it has to do with what I feel like I, that connect what Jen said and what I said during worship, connecting the two things. How did David defeat Goliath? Well, because he had advanced weaponry, right? David had, uh, Goliath had a sword, which was hand-to-hand combat. David had this, you know, from a long range, so he was more advanced, and that's how David won, because he could beat him from a distance, right? We can come up with all our theological reasons, or reasons why. I'll tell you what I'm re- learning more and more. How did David defeat Goliath? Nothing to do with his rocks. Nothing to do with his skill level, his talent. It had to do with what I was saying during worship. David was a worshiper. David knew who he was. He had a whole bunch of older brothers that said, you're illegitimate. Even the prophet came and his own dad said, oh, yeah, here's all my sons. No. Do you have any more sons? Oh, yeah, I got this other half son that I'm not really proud of. Oh, you want me to bring him in too? Okay. Right? He didn't even listen to his biological father. David had to tune his ears to say, what does my father say about me? How did he defeat Goliath? Because he knew what his father said about him. He saw this giant, and all the rest of Israel was trembling in fear. But this one boy said, yeah, but I know who I am. There was only one boy in the whole army. He wasn't even in the army. Right? They knew who he was. I know who I am. I know what, I can hear God's voice. He's saying that guy is an idiot. He's saying that guy's a loser. He's taunting everybody else, but no, the battle belongs to the Lord. The vic- I can see, a vi- we sang that song this morning, I can see a victory. I see what God sees. I hear what God is saying. And everyone else around him is like, what are you talking about, David? Because he had this relationship with his father. I think this is what the Lord is saying. He wants us to be able to look forward, to look into our future with eyesight, with God's eyesight. I love that phrase, looking forward. I can flip it around and say forward looking. And I feel like sometimes they mean two different things. Forward looking means I'm not looking at the past. Paul talks about that, right? He says, one thing I finally got down as an apostle and I'm trying to learn how to follow Christ and I'm not perfect at everything, but this one thing I've really got a hold of. And what does he say? Forgetting the past. Paul really had to get a hold of that. Why? Because he was a murderer. He murdered Christians. He's the least likely person to tell somebody else how to be a Christian. He used to kill him. And so the enemy came to him all the time and accused him. Paul, you're not worthy. Paul, you didn't study. You're not like the other apostles that were with Jesus for three years. Like, you can't do the same things they did. Paul constantly heard the voice of the enemy, constantly heard other people saying, you can't preach to Gentiles. They can't be filled with the Spirit. It's just for Jews. This is a Jewish religion. Christianity And he's like, no, God is saying this for everybody. And he had to challenge Peter, right? All these things, how did Paul do all that? He finally came to a place because I finally silenced all these other voices. And I can look forward. I'm forward looking. I don't look at my past. I don't, it doesn't haunt me. I just look forward. I'm forward looking. But then also that phrase, 
He's looking forward. That word looking forward to me brings the connotation of hope. I'm joy-filled. I'm expecting, right? I'm looking forward to my summer vacation next month, right? Some of you already graduated. Some of you are about to graduate. I know for me, my kids, they have one more week of school. They are looking forward to this last week being over with, right? There's something about that excitement, that joy that comes along with that phrase, looking forward. There are things that for, I don't know, over a year, we've been looking forward to meeting all together in one place. We've been looking forward, I can say this, I'm looking forward to the day I can finally burn my mask, right? I hate wearing that thing, right? I'm looking forward to that day. There's things, right, that we do because we have to do, but at one time, oh, we're finally going to be done with that. And I just feel like, ah, the Lord is saying it is good to be looking forward to things. I mean, that's a word of the Lord for someone specific. Maybe that's the title of this morning's message for you. In your future, maybe those, those giants we're talking about. Maybe there's a difficulty, a relationship. There's something going on in your life, and the Lord is saying, today, you need to start looking forward to that. I think about times where I messed up. I was just telling my wife just even a few days ago, I messed up. Like there was someone who contacted me, and I misunderstood what they were saying, and then I shared this information. I was like, oh, like I'm 100% egg on my face, I messed up. I was like, ah, oh, I gotta go talk to those people and confess and repent. Like, I was an idiot. It wasn't intentional, but I, I'm stupid. Like, I made a bonehead mistake. Will you forgive me? Those things, like, we don't always look forward to having to apologize, right? I don't look forward to saying I'm wrong. I don't look forward to confrontation. Ah, oh, right? But the Lord is saying this morning, we need to start looking forward to things. I'm actually looking forward to that confrontation, not because I want to see sparks fly, because I want to see health. I'm looking forward to that relationship, actually not just being restored the way it was before, actually greater health. I'm looking forward to what the enemy meant for evil, my flesh, and the enemy wants to bring division to that relationship. I'm looking forward to God bringing not only health, but actually greater trust and greater relationship. So it's all those things. What are we looking forward to? Are you looking forward to I, I would label myself, I'm, you know, the glass half empty, the glass half full, and then you have the realist that's like, it's yes, like you hear your pastor say all the time, is the glass half empty, is it half full? Yes, right, that's just me, that's how my mind thinks all the time, like I'm kind of a realist. But I would say spiritually, my default position, I'm an optimist. That's the DNA that God has created the spirit man, Ryan, to be an optimist. You've heard me share before, um, probably my first or second year of being the pastor here, I feel like the Lord gave me a, a title, uh, just like God changed Saul's name to Paul, right? Simon to Peter, right? Uh, Jacob to Israel. There's something about it. Abram to Abraham. The Lord changes names. It doesn't mean that they no longer have any relationship with that old name, but there's something about this new name. And I felt like in the spirit realm, the Lord was giving me a new name, calling me, you are a champion of hope. And so I'm like, oh, okay, that's my identity. That's how the Lord, and I'll say angels, and I'll even say the demonic, they see me as someone, as a champion of hope. That's in my DNA. I am just hope-filled. I have hope as an anchor for my soul. That it is well with my soul. No matter what goes on in life, my default position is, yeah, but you know what? God's going to turn this around for good. Somehow, with the enemy meant for evil, God's going to turn it for good. It's just so, it's not even, I'll be honest with you, it's a gift from God in the sense that I've had to steward it. I've had to walk through things and Learn, okay, don't grow pessimistic, don't become jaded. I've had to learn that, but I'll say there's a grace on my life from God where that is my, my default position. Yeah. Oh, man, 
talking about hard things, right? You heard Jen even reference her brother this morning. We're about to celebrate his birthday in a couple weeks. Would-be birthday. I'm about, tomorrow is actually my sister Gina. It'll be her second birthday, not here. And we're going this summer. I'm going to take my family to where she passed away. For our first time, we're going to go there. And we can say, oh, that's going to be such a hard thing to, to navigate those waters and go through those times. I'm telling you, I already got the word of the Lord. I'm going back to Oregon to dance upon injustice. I'm not saying there might not be any tears and remembering and reflecting that. I'm not saying that's wrong. But I'm saying to stay in a place of grief, that's wrong. I've got to learn how to have hope. I've got to learn how to, I love that song, right? Uh, what is that? Uh, did you feel the mountains tremble, right? Dancers who dance upon injustice. It was an injustice that my brother-in-law passed away from cancer. It was an injustice that my sister passed away in a freak accident. That's, that's not God's plan. That was not God's desire. It was unjust that it happened that way. But instead of just following under all the guilt and shame and the what ifs and how comes and why gods that get me nowhere, I'm choosing to dance upon that injustice. I'm choosing to have joy. I'm choosing to celebrate. I'm choosing to be hope filled. And I feel like there's a lot of us, I'm giving you this idea. Next month, I'm going there full of hope full of expectation that my kids are not going to go to a place where it's going to be this somber. And from now on, when we go to Oregon, it's just going to be this heavy spirit. And that's where my sister passed away. That's where Auntie Gina passed away. And so it's just going to be a hard time to go there. No, we're going to redeem that place. We're going to have the best. I am believing and I'm looking forward to having the best vacation my family's ever had. There's something about that expectation. I've given you the definition um, for years now of hope, what I define hope to be, right? It's the joyful expectation of good. I give you, uh, I heard my dad even quoted just a little bit this morning. It's, it's something about that Christmas morning that for me when I was a kid and now I get to watch my kids, now they're getting older and they're teenagers and they're maybe not the same exact excitement level. Um, but when they're little kids, Christmas morning, waking up and knowing that there is gifts for them in the living room under the Christmas tree, right? They know they know that there's something good and they're joyfully expecting it. They're jumping up and down. They're waking up, mom and dad. Mom and dad, it's Christmas morning. There's something for me over there. That's the idea that you and I, we live that same way every day of our lives. Every day of our lives, we are so full of hope that I am looking forward to hearing the voice of God this morning. It might be this mighty rushing wind. It might be this small little dream about bell peppers, right? Weird little things. But I'm expecting to hear the voice of God this morning. I'm expecting to go and be used by God to be a blessing to somebody else's life. Again, reading the story of Acts. As I read through Acts chapter 4 again, we hit that last week. There's just so many things that they did. And I, I think it's verse 32. Uh, excuse me, because I have a whole bunch of just information here. And these are not even notes for a sermon. But I did want to find the right verse for you. Um, 432 talks about how the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. So again, I, I talked about last week how on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were saved. And then it says at a later point, Peter gave another sermon and another 5,000 were saved. And now it's this verse saying that the multitude of those who believed, so at least 8,000, it could be more than that, right? Women and children, a lot more. This multitude, it says this early church were of one heart and one soul. 
I can see that happening here at Osbury Bird Church. I see it happening. We haven't arrived yet, but I see it. I see us getting one heart, one soul. That all of us, and we have different gifts, different talents. We have different perspectives, different political bents. We have all kinds of different backgrounds, right? There are so many differences, right? But I see the Lord doing something here where we have one heart, one soul. One soul is kind of like a mindset. Here's the mindset. God is creating a new culture. He's creating something here at Osborne where he's saying, no, this is, we're single focused. We just want to please our father. We just want to be around his presence, right? This idea of the presence is still a big deal here. And I feel like we're tapping into it. We haven't arrived, but the Lord is saying, all right, scripture, it's good. We want scripture. We want a sermon, but we're not camping around a sermon. We're camping around what is the voice of the Lord? What is his presence saying? So even this morning, it's looking a little different. We didn't all come here with a, for the pastor to give us a prepackaged sermon. It's what is, the, what is the word of the Lord this morning? It might come through worship. It might come through communion. It might come through prayer and ministry time. But are we finding out what the Lord of the Lord is for you, for each one of us individually this morning? And as we all have that same goal, we might walk away with different things, but because we had that one heart, that one soul, we will all walk away fed. And I love the next verse. So it says that they, this multitude, it didn't matter if it was 12, 120 in upper room, or now tens of thousands becoming a mega church. It doesn't matter. The numbers didn't make a difference. They still had one heart, one soul. I see us growing. I see our church growing into multitudes. I see not just Osbeber Church. I see, which is maybe harder for some people, it's a big giant. I see the church, God's church at large growing. When all the statistics say in America, the church is shrinking. That's what statistics say. But I don't listen to statistics. Good golly. I don't listen to statistics. I don't listen to the news. I listen to what my father's saying. What is God saying? He's saying that he's preparing a beautiful, radiant bride. Yeah, so there might be some people who call themselves Christians who no longer go to church. That's fine with me because I want people who are one heart, one soul. And we're going to grow as we get one heart, one soul. I love the next verse. It says that great power and great grace was upon them all. I see that happening. I see us as a church not just coming to do our perfunctory religious duty. I see us coming to church, and I see great power happening in our meeting. Great grace. I love that it's both. I've talked to people. I've got to be careful how I phrase all these things. I've talked to people who have a lot of power and anointing on them. The Holy Spirit is in them. The gifts of the Spirit, man, they are powerful. But I'll be honest with you. I could tell that some of the grace of God was a little bit lacking. They were a little bit lopsided. They had so much power and authority. And they were big in all the gifts and casting out demons. And I'm all for all those things. But I could tell that some people weren't drawn to them because the grace was lacking. It, was, it seemed kind of judgment. It seemed like spiritual arrogance. Right? There's these other Christians that are half Christians because they're not walking in all these other gifts. And I'm saying that's not attractive to the world. It's got to be great power and great grace. I've been around people the other way around. I've been around people that are the most loving and kind people in the world. And they're missing the power. They're missing the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, oh, your love is so great, but do you understand you could accomplish a whole bunch more? Your fruit could abound if you had the gift of the Holy Spirit in you. And I'm saying, I see us at Osborne lacking no good thing. Great power. And I love that it says all of us. 
It doesn't mean just the elite pastors and the spiritual elites that lead the church. No, I'm saying that everybody who comes here, all of y'all, are going to be moving in great power and great grace. Super quick, that, that word power, some of you have done studies on it before. In the Greek, right, dunamis, right? There's this idea of power that's it's energy, it's might. It's, um, we get our words dynamic, we talked about last week, and dynamite from, right? This explosive power. It's not stagnant. It doesn't stay the same. It's dynamic. But then this grace uh, is charis, right? It could be loving kindness. It could be pleasure. It can be delight. That when we gather together, there's this great enjoyment when we come together. It's not actually hard work for us to love each other. I see that happening. I see where, can I be real and honest with you? Anyone who's been married longer than a year, right, you know that your marriage sometimes is hard work. Sometimes it's choosing. I'm choosing not to do what I want. I'm choosing to let my spouse have what they want, right? That's hard work. But then there's other times where I would never use the word work. It's complete pleasure and delight, right? So there's things that I, I'm not just trying to say pie in the sky. There's things where I see the Holy Spirit is going to move in great grace amongst us. That means there's some work that needs to happen. There's a lot of differences. There's a lot of things we don't see eye to eye. On. So there has to be grace where sin abounds, much more grace abounds. But then I see us moving in such great grace where it's not hard work. It's not draining. It's actually just a byproduct in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's just his loving kindness. I'm not trying to be patient. Patience is just coming out of me. And I'm even looking at myself. from How was I so patient with that person? Because it was supernatural. It wasn't me. It was the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I see that happening. Great power, great grace. Oh, man. All right, so you're getting a smorgasbord this morning. But I feel like some of that is connected again as I touched on during worship. I quoted you Psalm 51. Creating me a clean heart, O God, filled with clean thoughts and right desires. Man, David's coming up a lot. He's the one who wrote those, right? After he was caught in adultery and murder. This man after God's own heart who did all these incredible things is now pouring his heart out before the Lord. Realizing there is sin inside of him. And he realizes, he says this thing, against you and you alone have I sinned, God. He murdered somebody. He stole somebody's wife, right? He sinned against other people. But he realized, no, actually, I sinned against you, God. I was trying to justify it. I'm the king. I'm allowed to have multiple wives. In that day and age, there was a grace for it, right? I'm not saying that was God's plan, but most, a lot of kings had, that's just how it was, right? So he's pulling all the, well, I have a right to this. I'm the king. I have a right not to have to go to every single battle. I have a right to this. I have a right to this. And finally he realizes, I have nothing is my right. Against you I sinned, God. The Holy Spirit had to convict him, and this right spirit had to come back with him. I, I love that David's talking about his own spirit. Every single one of us, we have our own spirit, When you are born again, you are born with a new spirit. You are a new creation. And so he's saying, creating me a clean heart, God, where I've messed things up, create this newness in me and give me a right spirit. Put that right spirit, my own spirit back in me. But then he keeps going on and he says, 
Cast me not away from your presence. After you forgive me, God, after you've created a clean heart of me, that's not enough. I don't want to be just forgiven. I want to know that I can dwell in your presence. I want your presence again. And he finishes that phrase, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Don't just renew my spirit. Give me your Holy Spirit, because if I live life, it's the same cry as Moses. I want your spirit. I don't want an angel leading me to the promised land. If you're not going, if your very presence doesn't go, I'm not going anywhere. And David had tasted of the presence of God. He tasted of the Holy Spirit before Jesus came, before Pentecost. He knew what it was to have the Holy Spirit on him. And he's crying out, please, whatever, God, whatever it takes, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Where I've grieved you, and now I'm recognizing that for the last season of my life, I've been living without your Holy Spirit. And he's crying out, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And he continues that chapter by saying, and then, and then I'll go teach your ways to those around me. Basically, I'm no good. Unless I know how to come into your presence, unless I have a right spirit with me, unless I have your Holy Spirit on me, I'm no good to those around me. I've got to wrap up the message already, huh? I'm already two minutes over. You okay if I just go a couple minutes over? All right. Yeah, I do feel like the Lord wants to. It's so hard because there's so much, and I know I don't want to take three hours. You got some homework from, from Pat, right? John 12 through 17. Read some of those. Those are great. Those are, those are some of my favorites. I know I have lots of favorites, but those are some of my favorite favorites in the Gospels. But some more homework. It was on my mind all week long. I got tons of information over here, but I don't want to just give you information. I'm trying to get to the point of what God wants to say. But Ezekiel 37, God shows up and tells Ezekiel, Son of man, can these dry bones live? Hmm. And I guess what I'm doing this morning, I'm not giving you a sermon because I feel like the Lord is kind of bringing me back. I've shared probably for years and years, almost the season, almost every single Sunday, where I said, I feel like I'm that little boy bringing his two fish and five loaves to Jesus, right? I've, I've prepared something, and I don't know how that's going to feed everybody, Jesus. You're going to have to bless it and multiply it. And I feel like the Lord reminded me of it again. I didn't even prepare a lunch extra for you guys. I just have to prepare something for myself. So I'm sharing with you some of the things this next two minutes. I'm sharing with you some of the things that God was speaking to me this last week. Some of it maybe I thought I was preparing for a message, but really it was just God speaking to me. Ah, man. All right, trying to get there quick. When God spoke to Elijah and he saw this valley of dry bones, Elijah's mind, he's thinking, yeah, these have been dead for years, if not generations. There is no life in these bones. They're dusty. They're dry. And then the God comes and says, Elijah, can these live? 
And Elijah was wise enough to say, Lord, you know. I'm not going to use my reason or my intellect. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm just going to acknowledge you. Lord, you know. And then God says, all right, prophesy to these bones. And most of us, we think that's pretty ridiculous. There's like, in the logical, there's no way these bones can live, God. Like, it's not possible. They've been dead for a long time. But he's just obedient to prophesy. Wow, man. And I love that God speaks to him, and he says, all right, speak that there's going to be breath entering into these. And then he says, and then the bones are going to come together, and there's going to be skin, there's going to be all these joints are going to come together. And he prophesies, and all this happens except for breath. And so God had to prophesy two times to the breath. Prophesy to the breath, to the breath. Because a body that's even brought together and a body that looks good on the outside without the breath of God is not living. And I'm saying, I don't want to be a church that looks good. I want to be a church that has the breath of God. And there's a verse in there, towards the end, I don't even have it, where he says the breath of God came into those, that, those soldiers. And it says, and they lived. But I love that word lived. If you find it in the Hebrew, it says it can be translated, and they breathed. The breath of God came into them, and they breathed. It wasn't just the breath of God coming in. It was the breath of God coming out of them that mattered. I'm saying what God is doing here to Osborne, he is beginning to breathe in us. But the end result is not for us to be puffed up full of breath. It's for us to learn how to breathe out. The whole reason the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost was not just for the 120 in the upper room. It was to start a worldwide revival. What God is doing in your life is not just for you. He's breathing in you for a purpose. So I have to confess. I shared with somebody, as you saw the parking lot, as you came in, it's all repaid, it's going to be your stripe, it looks good. I was talking to somebody, and we're just talking about administration. We're talking about money, how we'd spent a lot of money on that. We've got to figure out our next projects and all the administration part of the church and how it took administration for me to get here full time, and there had to be a game plan, like, here, what's our five-year plan financially? How are we going to do it? So it's not wrong to have logical, worldly wisdom, in a sense, to come up with a plan to prepare for things. And so we're kind of in that mode of thinking and preparing. And I realized as I said something, I was hoping for the best and preparing for the worst. And that phrase, I think there is some truth in that, right? There's some, there is some logical worldly wisdom in that, right? Hope for the best, prepare for the worst, right? There's, but I feel like the word of the Lord is, don't you dare, to me at least, don't you dare prepare for the worst. Amen. How dare you have that mindset that you're hope-filled, but you're preparing for the worst? What are you thinking? Start looking forward and preparing and expecting the best. That's the word of the Lord to me this week. I had to confess. I had to repent. I'm saying it to the person. I, I'm barely saying it right now to the person I said that to publicly right now. But I had to do it before the Lord first. The enemy had come in just earlier that day. And I can't even go through all of it. But things even visually 
in my mind's eye of things that could be the worst. And I was like, well, we should have wisdom and prepare for those things so if they happen, we know how to mitigate, you know, the possible problems. And so I'd already had those planted in my mind throughout the day. So when that conversation came, it just came out of my mouth. And I have to change not only the way I think, but the way I speak. We have to be forward-looking. Forward-facing. Man, i got to write this up. Facing. That if I am like David, and I'm spending time in the presence of God, looking face-to-face with him, it does not matter all those lies, the enemy. When I've seen him face-to-face, those lies have no power. They have no effect on me. They're not even tempting. But when I have not seen him face to face, when I've, it's been a long time since I've been in his presence and seen God face to face, and I'm going off of yesterday's manna, I'm susceptible and weak to when those thoughts come. And the Lord is saying it's time for us to be people of his presence that know his voice, that when those other thoughts, those other voices come in, like, no, 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 that is not the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. And we become like Elijah. Dry bones, it's time to live. We see the impossible. We see those giants. And we say, yeah, but I see a victory. In the natural, I know I can see lots of wrong things. But I'm not looking in the natural. I'm spirit-led. I follow what the Spirit says. So as we close the service, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's the title of this morning's message to you? Just take a second and close your eyes. Maybe just even put your hands out in front of you just in a posture to receive. Lord, this morning I, I recognize that I need more hope in my life. Where I've been jaded, where I've become cynical, I repent this morning. Where I've listened to the news and heard what they declare about my nation, about my president, my politicians, about my state of California. God, I've been influenced by the lies of the enemy. And I choose this day to serve you, to follow you, to listen to your voice. You're the good shepherd. I don't want to just hear what you say about me as we began this service about worship. God, I need to know who I am. But I want to know what you're saying about the city of Arlita. I want to know what you're saying about the name Donnelly. As I go spend time with my cousins, my uncles, God, you have a word for them. God, as I go back to work this week, you have a word for my coworkers. That I have ears to hear not what did you say about me, but what did you say about those around me. God, I have a big enough heart to receive what you're saying about my nation. What you're saying about the world wide. That you're doing a new thing. That revival is coming. That there is a harvest that is ripe. And that I want to be in on the game. I don't want to be like those soldiers quaking when they hear Goliath taunting. I want to be like David, that I know the word of the Lord. That I could be like what Jen said this morning. That I can say, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you show off with your muscles and your javelin and your sword. Let me tell you what I hear the word of the Lord is. I come against you in the name of the Lord. Against God, who is the host of heaven's armies. 
And greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So God, I choose to be someone who hears your voice and declares the word of the Lord. We thank you for your reminder this morning, your encouragement, but also your correction. May we leave here changed and transformed by the renewing of our mind. That your word, your life, it speaks a better word. That I am who you say I am. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing this last worship song? If you need prayer or just don't even need prayer, you just want prayer for something, it could be for physical healing, it could be something connected to the message, it could be something that you're about to go do, looking forward to something. We have some leaders up here just willing to pray for you, wanting to pray for you. So enjoy this last song and get some prayer.